You're listening to Live with the League, part of the We Love Where You Live podcast series brought to you by the Michigan Municipal League. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I am Matt Bach, Assistant Director of Strategic Communications for the Michigan Municipal League. Thank you for joining us today. Hope everyone had a nice uh, Super Bowl weekend. Uh, got uh, some of our st- league staff out of our Lansing office with us today. And also, uh, we're going to kick it off with a special guest, uh, Christy uh, Welty from our events department. So welcome, Christy, to the show. Thanks, Matt. Excited to be here. Good. So uh, we brought uh, Christy on to talk about our upcoming capital conference, or what we call um, CapCon. And this year is going to be a virtual conference on March 16th and 17th. And I brought Christy on to just talk about that event. It's really our second big virtual event. We did a virtual convention in, in the fall, and now we're doing a virtual capital conference. So Christy, what are some things that people can expect? And, and tell us a little bit about uh, this event. Yeah, um, there's a lot to expect. Um, we're, we're really looking forward to this. We have um, condensed down our typical CapCon to just one day of sessions, um, with the second day being just for our affiliate meetings. Um, but don't be fooled by the shorter agenda. There's still a ton going on. Um, we really focused on having not only relevant content, but speakers who can really dive deep into those topics. Um, so it's going to be a great offering. We'll have our legislative team kick off the morning. Um, we'll then go into two separate rounds of breakout sessions with three sessions in each round. Um, and then the afternoon, we're going to have what we call blockbuster sessions, which we've never offered before, but it's going to be some big name speakers um, coming at you live through Zoom, um, like uh, Mayor David Holt from Oklahoma City. We have Georgia Dow, who is a psychotherapist out of Montreal, and her counterpart, um, Renee Ritchie, who they do a tech podcast with. Um, so lots, lots of things jam-packed into this. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, we have, uh, like you said, uh, David Holt from the Oklahoma City Mayor. What are some of the things that he'll be covering on that you think will be interesting to our members? Yeah, so Mayor Holt, um, he has a community that has experienced firsthand um, devastation that you can see when we stop seeing each other as neighbors and, and viewing each other as enemies. Um, and the mayor will talk about the relationship between truth and trust um, and how that really is important and impactful to constituents and, and the community. Um, we expect that his conversation is going to be inspiring to see such unique experiences. Um, and it's just encouraging unity, integrity, um, and just the collectiveness in that community and, and how they've really pulled through um, everything that they've experienced out in Oklahoma City. Well, that's, that's really interesting. And then you also mentioned uh, uh, Gloria Dow and Renee Ritchie. And they're kind of an interesting spin on things. They're talking about technology, social media, but also psychology, right? So tell me a little bit about that. It's kind of a weird yeah, mix. Yeah, I am, I'm super pumped for this session. It's going to be such a, a unique offering um, from these folks. So Georgia Dow, like I said, she is a psychotherapist. Um, she has a podcast with Renee Ritchie, who is a tech wizard. Um, and they're really going to focus kind of how to stay grounded with big tech and in this digital era where everyone has a comment on social media. Everyone is, is talking and back and forth and how to stay sane, not only for yourself, but for your community. Um, there's just so many different layers that they're gonna address. And it's so, it's time relevant right now because of everything that we're dealing with. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that one too, because you deal with you know all the negative comments. You, you post something on Facebook, you think it's innocent, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts going off. You're like, what am I doing? What is, you know, is it even worth it? You know, what, what's the point of this? And you question your own sanity for posting it in the first place. 
Uh, so it's nice to hear that, that maybe they'll kind of walk us through maybe some do's and don'ts and some helpful tips I'm sure will come out of that exactly. session. Yep. So uh, you mentioned the breakouts. So I think we have a, a bunch of different breakouts. Uh, one of the um, uh, ones, uh, of course, we'll have the Lansing staff here a little bit that they're going to do, a, like you said, a session on lobbying. They do a couple different sessions on lobbying in addition to their regular general session on legislative issues talking about that. Um, we have OMA stuff, uh, federal assistance stuff. Um, tell, tell me about some of the breakouts that people might uh, be interested in. Yeah, like I said, we have six separate breakout sessions running in the morning. So um, you can always dive into our agenda on the website to see more details. Um, but our working together for local government, we're gonna have four um, state representatives on a panel to talk with us um, across the aisle and, and really have a good conversation going there for that session. Um, we are going to have the coastal remediation session. We're bringing back Dr. Um, Richard Martin from U of M, who's done this session a couple times for us now and just keeping us updated with, with new developments and how to really move forward with that. And then, um, like you mentioned, as always at CapCon, you can expect lobbying 2.0 and 3.0. That'll, mm -hmm. that'll be there as expected. So yeah, and those stuff. I think, and I think we have those in there for the newly, or uh, for the, um, Elected Officials Academy credits. By attending those, you get credits for that program, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And all of that's listed on the CapCon website, too, if you're looking for, for what you need. Yeah, great. So tell us a little bit. Of, we did a group discount thing at, at convention, but this one we try to we try to do a little structure a little bit differently, kind of some lessons learned and, and some things moving forward. So tell us about some of the options that we have as far as pricing for this year's. Yeah, so we're offering the community discount again. Um, this this time round for CapCon, we've broken it out into three separate tiers. Um, so it's just kind of broken out based on how many community members you'd like to attend. Obviously, the more community members, the bigger discount that you'll receive. Um, but it, we have it real easy on our website. Everything's explained. It's one click of the button to register. And you'll just need everyone's name and email address at the time you register those folks. But you'll be able to take advantage of the discounts. Okay, and then you already mentioned the kind of the affiliate day, which is the day two, I believe just for a really modest extra fee, you can attend those sessions as well for the affiliates. Yeah, so if you can't attend all of CapCon, but you are a member of one of our affiliate groups and just want to attend those sessions, um, those are also broken out on our registration page, you just click the session you want to attend for your affiliate, um, and it's a, a much discounted rate uh, to just attend those, but that's all set up there for you as well. Okay, great. Uh, what else about CapCon? Anything else I missed that I should mention? I think the only thing that's missing is our networking reception. So oh, our okay. um, MML Foundation, they're hosting a networking reception that is still getting baked right now. So I don't have all of the details, but what I've seen, I am super excited about. Um, they are working with the Detroit Experience Factory. Um, and it's going to be an event where folks can chat with each other and learn some things about our great state. Uh, so we have a lot of things that we're working on that we're super pumped about. Um, and you can check back on the website once we have a few more details hashed out um, to, to really take advantage of that networking experience. That, that's, that's great. And one thing I think is really cool about having a virtual event, one, obviously there's no travel, you don't have to travel. So we, and I know with convention, we had people really from all corners of the state. We often did in our in-person events, but this would made a lot more easy for people to attend. And one thing I like is we record the sessions so if you, let's say if there's a couple of breakouts going against each other and you want to attend one, but you can't obviously attend both at the same time, that we record those. So attendees can look at the materials app or watch the sessions afterwards as well. It's true. Yeah, it's so great. You can go back and view anything you missed. Or if you want to rewatch something, I know your dog is barking or your kids come in and you, you missed that key point. You can go back and rewatch and listen and 
Um, it's just, there are some unique things about this virtual time that we're living in. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've learned a lot as an organization and just putting these on and, and really the, the, the opportunities that are out there. Um, one other thing, uh, we do have another event coming up, our virtual weekend trainings on February 26th, 27th. Often we do these in Frankenmuth, but these are all also going to be virtual. Tell us a little bit about those events, that, that event coming up. Yeah, so um, registration is still open, spots are still available. Um, we have taken the format of our typical re weekender and condensed it down just a little bit, um, mainly because you don't have travel time and meals and all of that, um, but it's still the same offering, same content. Um, just packed in that virtual space. So you can visit our website and get a link to that and register. Um, like you said, it is the 26th and 27th of this month. So coming up quick. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, good. Any other things you're working on that we should just share with our members? I think that's that's all of it for right now. <laughs> okay. <all> I think. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Christy. So I'm going to have Christy uh, go um, turn off her camera, but if you guys have any questions for her, or any kind of uh, capital conference related questions, feel free to post them in the chat and we'll bring Christy back and have her answer those questions. I don't see any currently. So thank you, Christy, for joining us. Thanks, Matt. All right. So now we'll bring on the Lansing team and while they're popping up, one thing I wanted to note, if you guys haven't already noticed that Zoom now has a closed captioning feature. We have turned it on for this uh, Live at the League section. Uh, this is a, an additional service that they, they have i believe it's free there's no add-on cost for, to have it um so we actually turned it on for our board meeting a week or so ago and jen wrote a blog about it and uh with dean uh westbrook's help dean's our it expert um kind of a step-by-step -step process on, on how to set up that that closed captioning so for a lot of you that are a lot of you that are having virtual meetings uh and you want to help the, you know the the hearing impaired this is a great opportunity for for you to do that so, well, welcome staff. Welcome, John, Jen, and Harrisana. Welcome, everybody. Chris is uh, Chris is out west somewhere. So, uh, so give him a well-deserved uh, break here. So, we're gonna we're gonna wing it without without Chris Hackbarth. So, uh, speaking of our uh, capital conference, um, you guys will have a very strong presence, obviously, during uh, our capital conference, including a general session outlining the latest. Uh, legislative activity, and, and we already mentioned the lobbying events. And I know, John, uh, one of the things you're really actively following right now is what's happening in D.C. with the new administration in place. There's a lot of different talks of a, maybe another stimulus package. Our CEO, Dan Gilmartin, and our board president, uh, Bill Wild, were in D.C. virtually uh, this week for a fly-in event hosted by the National League of Cities. John, tell us a little bit about you know what they did out there um, virtually, and what's what's the latest out of Washington. Yeah, you know, anytime we get an opportunity to to work with NLC on some advocacy events, we, you know, we make sure to take advantage of that. Um, the virtual fly-in that that Dan and President Wild just experienced here uh, last week is something that. You know, you can imagine we typically do in person uh, and tends to be very effective. Um, I know they had an opportunity to meet with a few different uh, of our uh, Congress or our members of Congress, uh, as well as help with some of NLC advocacy work around a stimulus plan. And to be able to do that directly one on one, you know, with with our leadership team is really critical to, to spreading our message. In addition to what we're doing as an advocacy uh, group here at the league. I think what we're seeing at the federal level right now is there is some momentum building for a stimulus package. Um, 
you know, there is hope still that it can be a bipartisan deal, but uh, both the Senate and the House have taken steps to do what's known as budget reconciliation, uh, where they would be able to pass uh, the budget components of any potential stimulus uh, with a 50 plus one vote, uh, which would likely mean in the Senate that all 50 Dem senators would have to vote for it and the tie would be broken by Vice President Harris. Right. Um, the good news about uh, what we uh, about what we're seeing through the reconciliation process, at least, is that there still is 350 billion in state and local aid um, in that proposal. Uh, as well as some other programs uh, that would help individuals across the country. There was a bi, or I shouldn't say a bipartisan group. There's a group of, of about 10 uh, Republican senators that came out with their own proposal. Uh, it was about six to $700 uh, billion, so still nothing to, uh, to right. sneeze at, but um, <laughs> it did not include uh, any money for state and local aid, which for us in terms of the things that we've been actively involved in, we think could, could not only prove to be detrimental long-term to our communities, but it's also likely something right now with the way in which the makeup of, of Congress is uh, to not pass. Uh, the president has been very direct about his desire to see that in there. Now, yeah. whether or not the deal at the end of the day, one will include it or whether it will be at $350 billion, time will tell. Um, the final thing I'll say, Matt, though, is it looks like the timeline we are on is about mid-March. Uh, anything before then, I wouldn't say it is, is unlikely to happen, but the process, uh, if they use budget reconciliation, will take some time. And then mid-March also coincides with the expiration of unemployment benefits. And so they really don't want it to extend beyond that because you'll get into that, that time period again where there's a lapse. Right. Now, it's interesting, John. If do we have an idea, like say they do approve a package that has direct funding for communities, do we have an idea what the communities will be able to use that money or is that all kind of still in the details that we don't know yet? Well, there, there are some, some details that have yet to be released on that. Uh, but yeah. what we have seen out of this administration uh, compared to the previous administration is that there is likely to be much more flexibility and probably most importantly, not everything will be tied to uh, pandemic related expenses and likely could go to things um, that are associated uh, with revenue loss, okay. uh, which will be really critical in terms of, of what we see at the local level. Um, but right now that, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, distribution is still part of the conversation. Uh, we are still making a push that it makes its way into every community, um, not just some communities, uh, some of that may have to pass through the state, but it won't be as if they could take some money and, and, and not pass it along. Um, and I think the total right now uh, collectively across the country is between 60 and $70 billion in, in local aid to specifically cities and villages. Okay. All right. We did get a couple questions from uh, uh, Curtis Holt. We'll get to those uh, during our kind of when we talk about the state stuff. But one thing Curtis did ask you directly, John, was... Uh, says, I understand you've been appointed to the Protect Michigan Commission. Um, what's your take on, or tell us a little bit about what that is and what's your take on the commission and, and what it's going to try to accomplish? Yeah, so I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be appointed to that uh, as well as a, a number of other um, individuals, whether they be locally uh, elected or others that are connected with municipalities across the state. And the primary mission of, of that group is really to help uh, educate and promote 
the safety of vaccines and people being able to, to get it. And, you know, Curtis, directly to your question, I don't know exactly what I was expecting right away. I think it's a good space for us to be in. And having tracked, you know, a number of things with the administration here over the course of the last 10, 11 months of the pandemic, in the first meeting that we've had, and we only had one so far, is I, I was surprised, I guess would be one way of saying it, is how detailed their vaccination rollout is. I mean, what we see in the media and things like that is very much, you know, kind of one chart on this or a couple of talking points there, but the depth of, of details in which they have within that plan and their commitment both to the, the actual infrastructure and supply chain management of the vaccines, as well as the actual public facing narrative that they're working on, um, to me was, was, was really impressive. And I think what it highlighted is, is we're in a position to be successful, but right now demand still far exceeds supply. So right. getting into a fully implemented plan that they have put together is exceedingly difficult. And, and also, you know, one of the things that we can see from the public, um, part of their frustration of either having to wait in, you know, long virtual lines to sign up, not having access to it, even though they might qualify for a vaccine, you know, a lot of that is, is supply related, not necessarily plan related. And then the final thing I'll say about that is, um, our, our vice president or our board of trustees, vice president, Mayor Deirdre Waterman will be chairing the local government uh, subgroup on this. And we have our first meeting coming up here uh, on the 10th. So Wednesday of this week, which will start to flesh out a lot more of what we can do in terms of helping promote and spread and share information with our members uh, on this topic. Great. Uh, could kind of still to stick into the federal theme, Harrison. I understand there were some changes or some adjustments with the FEMA funding and the cost share adjustment. Um, I know those are words. I don't exactly know what those mean for our members. So I was hoping you could explain uh, what that means to our members, the FEMA funding and cost share adjustment. Absolutely. I'm happy to explain. So we had some changes that came in when President Biden took office. Uh, probably about two days after he took office, he adjusted the federal cost share for the current emergency declaration for COVID-19 to 100%. And so this past week, we just found out that that uh, extension will be applied retroactively to January 20th. So any sort of pandemic needs, whether it was emergency materials, PPE, overtime, anything that's under those FEMA-related costs, instead of the standard 75 federal, 25 non-federal cost share that's usually applied, it'll be applied 100%. And so what our communities can now do is work with our state administrator, which is through Michigan State Police, to identify how that reimbursement back will work for funds that have already been deployed. Okay, so that could be a potential, uh, you know, in, income boom to the, to the members that get some additional reimbursements that they maybe didn't think they were going to get? Yeah, well, it's assistance. So what they likely will do will just reimburse those costs to the municipalities, the state governments that have paid into that 25% cost share. That will be an additional cost that won't come from them, but will be reimbursed through the public assistance available to FEMA. And so another reason to sign up for our conference and tune into our Making the Most Federal Assistance Breakout, because this will likely be a topic that our partners at Michigan State Police will touch on. All right, I'm being told my audio is bad again. Is it okay now or is it still bad? Okay. 
So Matt, I got you covered until you uh, can can figure that out. So I, I know, Harrisana, you and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, the governor's state of the state address in terms of uh, what she gave last week. Uh, there was bits and pieces in there for communities, and some of that dealt with water infrastructure. You want to go ahead and talk about what she mentioned there? I can, absolutely. So we heard again, Governor Whitmer's My Clean Water Plan, $500 million. It's going to be a combination of federal funds, state funds that have been redirected, and also the state's bonding authority to touch on water quality in two parts, one being drinking water quality and the other being wastewater management and protection. So for clean drinking water, we're looking at funding a revolving loan fund to support lead service line replacement, as well as an assortment of various grants to touch on everything from infrastructure to affordability and planning. And then on the other side for wastewater management, we're looking at clean water infrastructure as a whole, stormwater asset management, and also failing and failing septic systems, all kind of coordinated into what we've been experiencing with back, basement backups and flooding, and really touching on the infrastructure that hasn't been touched in a really long time. You know, the governor did reference in the state of the state speech that she's tired of plans that only put on band-aids and very crassly adjust address how we need to be funding our infrastructure. And what she's calling on now is the legislature to come together, hopefully in a bipartisan manner, and really have a solid look at water infrastructure and put forward a plan that makes sense to these communities. And one really important piece on it too is that we're uh, the lead service line replacement is typically for disadvantaged communities. So the communities that have been consistently dealing with poor water quality, shutoffs, this can be something that can really help with the infrastructure and allowing those rates to be affordable and something that can benefit communities in the long term. Yeah, right. there's, there's. sorry, Matt, I was just okay. going to keep going here. No, nope, go right ahead. Go go, you do your yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Harrison, that's such an important point, you know, on on water infrastructure, which desperately needs attention in the state. And, and the 500 million, as we know, won't solve the whole problem, but it is one way into take to take existing resources that the state has and, and push those out the door in a way that will benefit uh, many of our communities across the state. And it was nice to see that the governor put an emphasis on infrastructure in her state of the state address. She also mentioned local roads. Um, and she mentioned local funding options uh, and working with the legislature in which to get those done. And I'll be very honest, uh, you know, in this call and with our members, while We've talked about local options and local taxing authority for a long time. That is not the sole answer to this problem, right? And we've been very direct with the administration about this. I've had a couple of uh, phone calls and, and meetings in the last week to directly follow up on that point, not only with them, uh, but with legislators that if we're gonna go down this road of talking about road funding again, it's gotta be a comprehensive solution. And so it needs to deal with everything from our local roads to our transit systems to our state roads. And anything short of that will not solve the problem. And in some cases might give the perception that it did and further put us behind. So, you know, we need to keep having that conversation and, and figuring out what that means, but long-term a comprehensive solution is, is still the ultimate goal here and, and what we will be looking forward to. I think the other thing about her address, um, she focused a lot on the economic recovery of the state and did so in two ways, uh, dealing with schools and getting kids back in the classroom and then getting our small businesses reopened uh, and to a point where they can continue to be uh, successful as we, we come out of this pandemic. We have been pushing her and others 
to make sure that this is uh, three-legged recovery, so to speak, and that communities need to be a part of that narrative because you can't just have your schools improve. You can't just have your businesses improve. Those of us that are providing these core services have to be a part of that conversation as well. Uh, and we're gonna continue to push uh, that. I, I know we're gonna see the governor release her proposed budget this week. We're hoping for some good news, both around what may happen in, on the revenue sharing side and what our income tax communities may be dealing with as a result of the remote work situation. Um, but we're gonna continue to impress on her that uh, the, the economic recovery is not complete without including communities in that conversation. All right. Well, that's that's good to hear that that is happening. Uh, we're talking about kind of a busy time right now with the, the budget coming up. But Jen, I know uh, you guys have also been busy doing meet and greets with the various new uh, legislators. And also there were a couple of committee meetings that were, uh, were able to present some information that was key for us. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so Chris and I presented in the House Local Government Committee last week. Um, we tend to do that every two years traditionally. Um, it's really a meet and greet um, to that committee to introduce them to the league and what we do, what our mission is, um, and kind of the issues that we cover. We also took the opportunity to dive in on municipal finance. Um, and so uh, the Township Association and the County Association also presented um, after us. And it was great because between the three presentations, while yes, we talked about our organizations, we all also went all in on revenue sharing, the broken municipal finance system, um, talking about the recent Lincoln Institute report, and just got the opportunity to share with those individuals before bills start flying in that committee, um, because it is still in this new session, the, or the local government and municipal finance or finance committee. So, right. and then um, I think the week before there was a presentation by the Lincoln Institute in Senate finance. And so they have also been um, abreast of this new report. And then we are working with um, the committee chair uh, in house local government to have a presentation of the Lincoln Institute report in that committee as well. And as well, uh, I think it's house tax policy. We're working on that one too. Okay, well, well, good. Yeah, a lot of activity at the start of the year. We're, we're up and running. Um, I did want to bring Christy on back for a second, if she could. We got a, a question earlier about um, our, our weekender training, and I think I can answer it, but if, if Christy can, she can as well. And the question, uh, Betsy, uh, let me know if I got this wrong, but it was about if, with the advanced uh, programming is going to be included part of that weekender training as well as the core. Yeah, and I answered in the chat too, but just so in case someone missed it with all the scrolling, um, the February one is going to be just the core weekender. We will have an advanced um, weekender as well later this spring. Uh, we're still working on those dates, but hopefully that'll be announced either later this month or early next month. All right, well, thanks for correcting me because I had it wrong, so thank you. All right, um, any other questions come in, Betsy, that uh, we wanted to cover? <clears throat> nope, I think you've covered everything. Okay, John, so, you want to say something else? Yeah, Matt, there, there was, I think, one question on here. I know Jen answered it in the chat about Senate Bill 46, uh, which is another property tax exemption bill. This one specifically is in reference to um, broadband equipment. Uh, it's an attempt um, that, you know, by, I, I should say it is 
the continued focus of the legislature, and, and quite frankly, it's something that we've talked about in terms of expanding broadband across the state and making sure people have access to it. The thought process here is if you exempt them from PPT taxes, then there will be a flood of investment into the market. I don't know that we believe that to be true, nor do we believe in any way that we should put this cost uh, solely on the backs of, of local government when we know that those dollars are so important to the service provisions that we provide. So we are opposed to that piece of legislation right now. Um, with Chris out of town, it looks like I may be testifying in committee tomorrow. Uh, still working with, with both the chair of that committee and the sponsor to see if there are some changes that we can make to that legislation. Obviously, when we talk about PPT, we're always talking about figuring out a way to have that guaranteed reimbursement, um, but also simple things like, well, if we're going to provide them this tax break, what is actually the, the metrics we're going to measure the success by? So how much expansion have they done? How many more homes have access to it? How many of those homes that now have access are actually signing up and receiving broadband service? Um, and so if they do something like this, not only making sure that we don't have to bear the financial responsibility of it, but doing so in a way that's actually achieving the objective that we want to see. Uh, so those would be the things that we're working on there. But currently, as it's written, we are opposed, but still working to find a way to meet all of our objectives, which is ensuring people have access to broadband in this state. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, any other items uh, from General Harrisana that I missed or we want to talk about? Just mention, Matt, um, I'm getting a lot of inquiries about uh, date extension to the Open Meetings Act for remote meetings. Um, we are having conversations and trying to get that extended for another three months so that those that um, want to meet virtually until vaccine distribution is more widely available and more people have been vaccinated, um, that is something that we're currently working on. Um, so I just wanted folks to know that. And the current deadline expires when? March 31st. Okay, so we're trying to get it through, through the couple, few months. The end of June. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, we do have a couple other events coming up. We mentioned our Capital Conference, which is March 16th and 17th. You can go to uh, cc.mml.org to find that, uh, all the information on that. We also have on our event uh, calendar on our website the Weekenders we talked about, and um, also the National League of Cities Congressional City Conference is coming up, happening virtually as well. I believe it's March 10th or 7th and the 10th. So you can register for that as well. I believe we have a link on our website to that. Um, and our next Live with the League uh, conversation is going to be on noon Monday, February 22nd. So until then, thank you for everyone for joining us. This has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mml.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.